Hello, and welcome to Late Breaks and Hot Takes, a Formula One podcast featuring me, F1 Noran. On today's episode, we're discussing silly season updates, uh, the Belgium Grand Prix, and the disappointment that was, and McLaren's brand new uh, merchandise line collaboration. Let's talk silly season. The two important things that happened this week that are confirmed, at least, is that Fernando Alonso is staying on Alpine and Checo is staying on Red Bull. Um, the person hurt most by this, Pierre Gasly, because there have been rumors that Gasly was going to go to Alpine and replace Alonso if he didn't get the Red Bull seat. Well, now he's not getting the Alpine seat and he's not getting the Red Bull seat. So if everybody in silly season, he's being hurt the most. We'll circle back to that. Perhaps the most surprising update that happened this week is that uh, Red Bull has decided to keep Chaco for the additional season. I'm personally surprised because, yes, Perez has won a race, but I don't think he's been performing to the level that another driver in a Red Bull could be. Red Bull wants Sergio to be what Valtteri Bottas is to Mercedes, and he is rarely in a position where he can truly help alter the strategy of Mercedes the way that Bottas can in a lot of races. I just think he's been a disappointment. Is he a good driver? Yes, but I don't think he is driving to the level that Red Bull could needs or expects because what Red Bull really needs out of their second driver right now is a driver that can compete and mess with Red Bull or mess with Mercedes strategy, keep Mercedes on their toe. Is a, um, a driver that they can put on opposite pit stop strategies. And he's just not really competing at that level. He won in Baku. Um, after a freak accident, took out Lewis Hamilton and Max Verstappen. And they had, like, a restart off the line, so, like, everything was already crazy. And he just really hasn't performed since. Okay, we're back. So, after some quick research, we see that Sergio Perez has won one race in Baku after, like, some freak accident, obviously. He's podiumed once in Paul Ricard, which was an amazing race. Good for him. Valtteri Bottas, who I think is the best comparison for Sergio Perez, has podiumed six times. And though he hasn't won, he's been competitive. So, I just think it's a little odd that they've re-signed Sergio Perez. I think there is a talent that can do what Valtteri Bottas does for Mercedes on Red Bull. I mean, a lot of people want to go to Red Bull. It's has They have the best car, if not the second best car. They're growing. Frankly, I think they have great opportunities for sponsorships that you can't find on every team. So I just don't know why they re-signed him. And let's talk about Pierre Gasly. Pierre Gasly, who deserves a seat if you ask me is, like, not getting the Red Bull seat. And for what reason? Because he's a good driver, and he's proven himself over and over again. He has podiumed this year in a car that is worse than the Red Bull. He has won a race in an AlphaTauri car, and he is better than his teammates. He is better than people in a car at the equal level as him. He's a good driver that has proven himself. So, like, why not have him on Red Bull? Because... I think he struggled at first because he wasn't given, given enough time. Or, you know, whatever. Fine. He struggled at first. Now I think if you put Pierre Gasly in a Red Bull, he will succeed. He's proven himself to be a good driver. And the, like, inner workings of his contract are, like, unknown, I guess. So we don't know how much longer he's on. It's supposed to be on AlphaTauri. But if they're not going to move him to Red Bull, allow him to go to a team that's competitive. Like, AlphaTauri is a good team. It's... You know, towards the top, but let him go to McLaren. Let him go to Ferrari. 
Let him find a better team that's going to treat him better than Red Bull ever has. So we'll see, I guess. I just think Sergio is not competing to the level that Red Bull needs him to compete to. He doesn't do what Botas does for Mercedes. Okay, let's talk about Mercedes and let's talk about their second driver. Everyone is so convinced that Mercedes' second driver is going to be George Russell. I mean, we've been hearing about it for two years now, and they still haven't announced it, which I think is a little bit odd. Um, but I'm also convinced, and I'm probably going to be proven wrong within the next, like, two days, that Mercedes is going to keep Valtteri Botas as the second driver. Because people don't want to give Botas credit, but he is good at what he does. And what he does is mess with Red Bull's strategy and gives Hamilton an advantage and helps Hamilton win. And yeah, there are some races where he's clearly out of his element and he doesn't do good and, you know, he's not in first place. But he does what he is hired and what he is paid to do. And he's good at it. So why would they get rid of him? You're going to bring in George Russell, who mm, is a little snobby, if you ask me. So you're going to bring in George Russell. Someone who has always been the best, right? As long as he's been at Williams, he's been the best driver on Williams. He is an incredible driver, and we'll talk about that more once we get to Spa. But he's proven himself, and you're going to bring him in and tell him that he has to make way for Lewis to win. And they'll always claim, oh, we don't have a first driver, we don't have a second. Yes, they do. I don't think George Russell is going to handle being a second driver well. He's going to really have a hard time like, letting Hamilton pass. So maybe you're not looking for the best driver in your second seat. Maybe you're looking at for a great driver that will listen to team orders. A great driver that will help your primary driver win. That's what Botas does. George, is, George Russell, I don't think he's going to do that. Why would he? We know he's this, like, generational talent. Although they all say they're generational talents. But we know that he's this, like, incredible talent. He doesn't want to be a second driver. So, hear me out. I think that uh, Hamilton is going to retire next year. So he has like two years left on his contract, right? Yeah, he signed for another year. I think next year is going to be his last year. He'll win another driver championship and then move into like a leadership role or something. He's getting kind of old, probably, you know. Winning championships is only so fun for so long. So... He's going to move into a leadership role. When that happens, they're going to sign George Russell to take over his primary driver's seat. But until then, they should keep Botas. He's good at what he does, and people always want to hate on Botas. He makes dumb driving mistakes, this and that. But that's what Mercedes needs. They don't need the best driver on the grid to compete against Hamilton in the same car. They need someone that will help Hamilton win. That's what Veltri does. So, anyways, I also think it's odd that they haven't announced anything, and the rumor has it that Kimmy has to announce his retirement. Once Kimmy announces his retirement, Botas, or however you say it, sorry, I'm from Midwest America. I'm being cyberbullied about it. But Botas will move in to his Alfa Romeo seat, and then George Russell will move to the Mercedes seat. Excuse me? Did you just cough while I'm recording my podcast? That's my technical director, everybody. He's currently playing Call of Duty and coughing while I'm recording my podcast. Could you imagine? I should fire him, but I need somebody to look up dumb stats for me on the spot. So, 
But let's also talk about Alex Albon, because rumor has it that came out today, and I'm sure by the time this is uploaded and everything and edited, we're going to know all this information. But I'm recording this in a time before we know this information. I'll probably wake up tomorrow, and all this will be done. And everything will have happened. But we're going to pretend we live in a world where nothing's happened yet when you listen to this. Maybe nothing has happened yet. Anyways, rumor has it, came out today, that Alex Albon is going to be William's second driver. Which is good for him. But I thought we wanted this Nick Van something, something, you know, the Formula E guy. What's his name? Oh, Nick with spelled with a Y. So mm, I don't know if we should have let him into Formula One for that exact reason. Nick... Spelled with a Y, a Rise, Reese. Anyways, he is a driver for Mercedes Formula E team. Apparently, there is a little scuffle between Mercedes and Red Bull. Who gets onto that Williams team? I don't know why Williams cares, right? Like, uh, unless Red Bull or Mercedes is going to pay him and have the second driver on their team, there's no benefit to listening to them. And yeah, Williams is kind of like a junior driving program. The way that AlphaTauri is for Mercedes. So I find it a little odd that Alex Albon is rumored to be going to Williams over this Formula E driver that like is a Mercedes driver. But I guess we'll see. I do... I feel like Alex Albon is this like weird character in Formula 1. He gets more recognition over Pierre Gasly. And he was on Red Bull for longer, when again, I think Gasly has proven himself to be a good, great, better driver than Albon. And people are obsessed with Alex Albon. He's nice, he's funny, whatever he Twitch streams with like young kids do these days. But I just don't think he's as good of a driver as Gasly. And so I think it's weird that he gets all these opportunities and people talk about him like he was this incredible driver that got cut by like big, mean, bad Christian Horner. Like, he was not performing to the level he should have been performing. But now they're, like, really pushing for him to come back in Formula 1? Like, why? I don't... Why would Red Bull be vouching for Alex Albon? Right? They cut him. They didn't drop him down to AlphaTauri. They cut him. He was gone. And now they're trying to get him onto Williams? Like, why? I understand where Mercedes is coming from. They have this driver. They put him in Formula E because there wasn't room in Formula 1. He was really good. Now they want to bring him into Formula 1 because maybe Hamilton is retiring soon and they have this open spot. But why is Red Bull working so hard to get Alex Albon back in the sport? If they really wanted him back in the sport, they would drop Yuki Tsunoda. And I think Yuki's a good driver. I don't think he's as good as everyone like hyped him up to be like this incredible driver. He clearly spins out a lot. That's fine. You, whatever. He's learning. But he clearly spins out a lot and has a bad attitude. And I just, look, maybe they give him another year to prove that he can race in Formula 1. I think he's, like, funny and I think he's nice. But he doesn't have a good attitude towards the team. And you need your team on your side, right? You have drivers who are super respectful and super nice and never complain to their team. When, you know, Landonor is crushed out, he's like, sorry guys, that's my fault, which we'll discuss later. But, like... You know, Yuki complains about the car, and it just feels like that's not something you can do unless your dad owns a team, unless you're Lance Stroll, unless you're Latifi, unless you're Mazepin. And guess what? Yuki is not that person. So, I don't know how long they give Yuki to prove himself, to show that he's a better driver than he's driving is, because he spins more than in Maza spin. 
he's in the wall during free practice, during quality, during races, more than it's like pretty much any other driver. So I just feel like if Red Bull really thought that Alex Albon was going to be the caliber of driver they could have put back on their team, which they don't because they cut him, but if they really thought that they could build him up, why push for him to be on Williams? Why not just put him on AlphaTauri? You're the only team that has this true junior driver program in Formula 1. Red Bull owns two teams. So if you have four drivers that you think can compete at the Formula 1 level, why not put them all on the same on your two teams? I just don't understand. I don't really understand the Alex Albon hype. I'm sure he's nice and funny. But, like, has he proven himself? I don't think so. And I just think there's better drivers that could take up those spots. I mean, what does Williams get out of having Alex Albon on their team? Like, the, you know, there's been rumors that Nico Hulkenberg, Nico Hulkenberg is going to Williams. We know he's a good driver. He's proven it. And, yes, he's, like, never podiumed and whatever. But we know he's a good driver. So why not put Hulk on your team over Albon? What would Williams get by sending Albon? Like, is Red Bull going to pay them? I just don't understand. About silly season. Oh, Fernando Alonso. I know this is not rare in sports, but I think it's... Especially in Formula 1. I know it's not rare. But I do think it's kind of weird when you get to be older. Like Fernando Alonso's age. Like Michael Schumacher came back. Kimmy came back, although Kimmy was younger. That to come back to the sport. This sport has 20 seats. He had his time. He won. He competed. He raced. I don't know if it's selfish because I don't think it is, but I do think like they should try to keep seats open instead of just signing old guys. Like let the new talent in. If you retire, you should be out. But that's just what I say. Like don't pull Brett Favre. Just be done. But good for him, I guess. He can collect more helmets from more drivers. So, congrats. That was talking silly season. Thank you. Okay. Another rumor I've heard that I think adds a whole other layer to this is that Elon Musk is going to buy, is going to make, he probably doesn't have to buy, is going to make his own F1 team. I hope he puts his son Bibu Bop on it. Um, but if we get two more seats in Formula 1, which I think part of the excitement about Formula 1 is that it's so, there's 20 seats, right? But I don't think we'd hurt from having 22 seats. There's a lot of drivers out there who are good enough to compete in Formula 1 still and just did not get the chance, don't have the opportunity. So if we add a whole other team, that would be fun. I'm always going to push for more teams and more chaos and more people. Um, I do not like Elon Musk, but I would like having another team. And I think they would be good because Elon is very rich and he owns Tesla, a car company. So, an electric car company. So now you just got to add gas into the engine and boom, Formula One car. I'm pretty sure that's how it works. I will not be accepting questions at this time. So I'm just going to throw in that rumor. If it ends up being true, that's super exciting. And I will discuss who I would like on Elon Musk, Tesla, Formula One. Whomst ever. I don't think it's actually going to happen, at least not this year. Although, like, what's going on with Haas? Because we haven't really heard anything about Haas. We know they have re-signed Mazepin. But is Mazepin's dad buying Haas Dimitri? I, Rich Energy was going to buy Haas, like, some weird shell company owned by the guy from Duck Dynasty who's British. So, I want to know what's going on with Haas because Alfa Romeo said they're staying in. Gene Haas does not want a Formula 1 team. 
I think that much is clear. But they've signed a driver for next year, so I'm not sure what's going on there. I don't know if they're going to stay. I hope they stay. I love Gunther. Um, please, quick break. The man outside my apartment is walking his cat. And the cat is refusing to move. So, he's walking his cat at 9.30pm. And the cat is not having it. I'll get. I'll keep you guys updated if anything happens with this cat on a leash. Oh, it's on the move. Okay, now the cat's walking on a leash. I'll let you know if anything exciting happens. Back to what I was saying. I want to know what's happening with Haas. I want to know they have one sponsor, Mazepin's family. Um, and I want to know if Gene Haas is leaving, if Dimitri Mazepin's gonna buy it. I heard rumors that Latifi's dad was going to buy it. Going to buy Haas for Latifi. So I guess we'll find out. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's move on to the absolute disaster that was Spa. I mean, what an incredible mess. This is a sporting league that has existed for how long? Since the 50s. And they don't have a single rain contingency plan. That's crazy to me. They race in some of the rainiest parts of the world. They race in Japan. They race in Brazil. They race in Belgium. They race in the Netherlands. These places that rain all the time consistently. And you don't have a plan for a rainy race? Like, what's going on? And they've released some statement that I haven't even read, but I'm sure it's like, we're going to come up with a plan for rain. How do you not have one? And I know that they used to race no matter how bad the conditions were, and I'm glad that they're not putting people's safety at risk. But what on earth are they doing? You need to have a plan... For when you have races when it's going to rain a lot. And maybe you move spot earlier in the season when it's summertime and it's less rainy. But, like, I've lived in the Netherlands for a portion of the time. It rains every day no matter the season. So you just need to have a plan for when it's going to rain. I don't think it's that complicated. Every other sporting league does. So, I just think it was... I mean, I'm upset because I was got up at 6 a.m. to watch a race that didn't happen. I feel bad for people who went to the race and sat there for nine hours to see two laps under the safety car. I mean, it was just an absolute mess. People don't know if the race had started. They didn't know how many laps remained, how many laps had been completed. They didn't know, you know, anything. And I just think that's on the FIA. They should have a plan for these races that are going to get rained out because it's going to happen, especially if you're not going to race in, you know, iffy conditions, which obviously this was not going to be a good condition. Oh, a dog's attacking the cat. That's unfortunate. Hmm. Anyways, back to our programming. How do you not have a plan? I mean, this should just be clear. There shouldn't be any question. But, I mean, it is what it is. I really like Spa, and I'm disappointed and we're not going to be able to see it this season. It's a good race, and I think it's exciting and entertaining. And there is one open track, but rumor has it's going to be in Qatar, which is dumb. Okay, if you're going to have another race in the Middle East, have it at Azerbaijan, at Baku, a race that we know is good, a race that everybody likes, instead of in Qatar, which I don't even know if they've raced there before. But, like, Abu Dhabi is not a good race. I don't think the Saudi Arabia race is going to be good either. If you look at the track, it doesn't look very exciting. And I'm sure we won't see it until we get there. But if our last two races of the season are going to be super boring, can we at least make sure we put in an exciting race before that? 
Lake Spa. Lake Baku. I just think the fans were really let down because we didn't get to see what is usually considered the best, one of the best races of the year. And I personally am sad because I like to watch racing more than I like to watch not racing. Hot take. But let's talk about the results. So I've heard a lot of people say that the points in... I've heard a lot of people say that the points in Spa, these weird half points, helped Red Bull. They did not. Okay, I did a little bit of math, a little bit of investigating, if you will, against my will. Um, that was actually my technical director. And what we find out is that Max Verstappen is three points behind Lewis Hamilton after the results of this previous race. Now, let's just say in some crazy world, the podium stays the same after a full race. And so Max is in first, George is in second, Lewis is in third. If that's the situation, Max Verstappen would have 212 points. And Lewis Hamilton would have 210. Now let's live in a real, real realistic world where George Russell does not come P2 and Hamilton become comes P2. In that situation, he would have 213 points. So if this was a real race, Max Verstappen coming in first, let's just assume, he would have either been two points ahead of Lewis or one point behind instead of three points behind. So it does not help Red Bull in this situation. And I think... This point system actually hurts a lot of teams, and it helps some, but it just seems stupid. We didn't have a race. Why are they getting points? If you want to award points for qualifying, do it the way we do it for sprint qualifying. Say, like, first place gets three points, you know? It just seems dumb. There wasn't a race. And they literally went out behind the safety car to get these points. Why? It doesn't seem fair to the teams or the drivers, or anyone, to do this. Um, the teams it hurts are Red Bull. It hurts Alfa Romeo a lot because George Russell ended up finishing in P2 when he didn't really earn that spot because I think we could all agree that more likely than not, he would have fallen back a lot. And he wasn't going to finish in P2. So it really hurts Alfa Romeo, who is strongly competing with Williams for that funding, and now George Russell gets a P2 finish and Nicholas Latifi finished in the top 10. So they get two cars in the points without racing. Right? It hurts Ferrari because now McLaren has pulled ahead of them because both their drivers were out in Q2. And Lando was out of the top 10. But Daniel Ricciardo was in P4. And so it hurts Ferrari. I just don't think it's fair to assign points when there wasn't really any competition. Like, yes, I know quality is, like, a type of competition, but it's not. You know? I just... I think it's dumb. And it hurts teams. And what was the point? Um, I think they need to change the rules that there has to be a certain number of laps completed that are not behind the safety car for there to be points. Because we all want to see racing. And I don't know why the FIA was like, oh, let's assign points and not do racing. I do not get it. Um, we're going to Xanderfort. It is supposed to rain on Friday. Let's hope it doesn't. But it's supposed to. Um, and I will have a live interview with someone who's gone to Xanderfort next week. That's right. To my two listeners that are not in my family. 
get excited for the people in my family. Welcome to my podcast. Um, but we do need to talk about a few things for the limited racing that was done at Spa. We're going to talk about uh, Quali. George Russell is an incredible driver. Okay, do I really like him? No, he rubs me kind of the wrong way after that Botas incident. But nothing can be said against him. He's an incredible driver. He put a Williams in P2, and he was almost in P1. That is insane. It's, like, crazy, right? I would have never thought that could happen. So good for him. He's an incredible driver. He deserves a better seat. And he really has proven that he can do the impossible. But I also think it's important to note that, like, Latifi has had, like, a pretty good season, too. And, like, has had a lot of improvements. But George Russell has really proven himself as a Formula 1 driver. Good for him. An incredible drive. The world was shocked when he qualified P2. He won't have finished P2, but he qualified P2, so good for him. The other thing is, what... I just feel like the FIA is all over the place with safety measures. Because Lando Norris spun like a top because it was raining so hard. There wasn't enough traction. I mean, even the announcer... Well, the announcers did blame him. But it doesn't, like... I don't really think it was his fault. Seb was out there saying, like, hey, this isn't safe, this isn't safe. So they need to come up with a decision about when they're going to call races. Like, maybe it's a certain amount of water on the course. Maybe it's how hard it's raining. You know, it could change by track. Maybe it's just a driver saying, we need a red flag this session. It's raining too hard. But clearly, there's just some, like, disconnect between the safety of the drivers that we want to achieve. We want them to be safe. And, like, entertainment. We probably should not have raced on Sunday, right? They couldn't see. But then Quali should have been red flagged for a little bit before Lando crashed. Because he lost out on points that I don't think he was going to lose out on. He was doing really well in the first two parts of Quali. And he was unlucky because he was the first person out there. And it was like a hard hit. So I don't know. I think there needs to be some standardization across the board, right? If it's raining this hard, we're not racing. Or like, you know, if the traction is this low red flag until the traction gets better. But, I mean, I don't know how you do that. I'm not an engineer. My technical director is. Technical director, how would you measure traction on a course? Rainfall in an hour. He would do rainfall in an hour. Now, however, I see an issue with that. Qualification is an hour long. How would you do it, like, at a point in time? Apparently, he would do average rainfall during an hour. He's going to extrapolate. Now we're using the big words. But there's a way to do it, right? Yeah. So clearly, there's a way to do it. There's a lot of really smart people in Formula 1. I'm not sure if you've heard, but most of the people that work on the cars have PhDs. I think they could all put their brains together and come up with a way to quantitatively identify if a race, if a track is safe or not. And maybe Spa can handle more rainfall because it has such good, uh, you know, what's it called? Like, rain runoff. It has really good at getting the rain off the course. Versus, like, maybe Austin, a place that doesn't rain very often, isn't as good as that. And it can vary by track. But there just needs to be some standardization. Anything else about Spa? Daniel Ricardo qualified P4, which is good. 
I so badly want him to be good in this McLaren car, and he just has been struggling, and it's exciting to see him do well. So that's exciting. Okay. That's the end of that segment. Okay. And our final segment, just for fun, is going to be talking about the McLaren X Rude collection and how absolutely insane the prices are. I will be the first to admit that, like, street fashion is not my thing. I would not say I'm an adventurous person when it comes to fashion. And I try not to judge people for their fashion choices. But this Rude collection, X McLaren, spelled R-H-U-D-E if you want to, like, look it up is insane. Let's just run through some prices here, okay? Up first, we have an orange hat with the letter R on it, okay? And then on the side, it says Monaco, something, you know, about McLaren. $175 for a hat. $175 for a hat. And it's sold out. Maybe I'm just poor, but like, how do you afford these things? For a hat. Okay. Fine, $175 for a ball cap that just has an R on it. That's weird, but whatever. Now let's talk about the Varsity Team Jacket. It's blue and white. McLaren's colors are not blue and white, but you know what? Go off this. It says Rude McLaren on the front. It's like a Letterman jacket, right? On the back, it says McLaren, but it's nothing crazy, okay? And I'll add the pictures to the YouTube so people can see what I'm talking about. How much do you think... A varsity jacket is maybe like two, three hundred dollars, two thousand dollars. Am I insanely poor? Two thousand dollars for a varsity jacket, and who on earth is wearing a varsity jacket outside of high school anyway? Maybe in Europe, but like at least in the U.S., it's kind of weird to wear your varsity jacket, any varsity jacket, once you've graduated high school. Isn't to spend two thousand dollars on it again? I'm not fashionable, so maybe I'm like out of my league here. But that's shocking to me. Now, another shocking one to me is the racer polo. So from my understanding of the racer polo, according to their website, in fact, it's a lightweight short sleeve polo shirt with custom rude closures at front featuring Rude and McLaren logo designed in collaboration with McLaren. Now, how expensive do you think a polo is? It's literally just a white polo. Looks like it might be cropped. And, oh, there's snap buttons on it. So maybe it's a little pricier. $695 for a white polo that says Brood and McLaren. Now, I think that all Formula One merch is, like, too expensive. I don't think it should be $100 to get a hoodie from, like, your favorite team. It is. But $700 for a plain white polo? What? Listen, and all this stuff is sold out. So clearly people like it and people want it. But... I just think there's something to be said about Formula One merch and how it's inaccessible to your average fan. Okay? I just think long and hard before I bought a hoodie from a Formula One team. And I really like the hoodie. It's fine quality, but it was so expensive. I mean, this collection is just inaccessible to normal people. And maybe I get that Rude is an expensive company, right? And like that their things cost money. And that's just, like, part of the brand. But I also think it's a little bit ridiculous for McLaren to collab with a company that is just not accessible to a normal person. I understand that Formula One is this, you know, very expensive sporting league. 
But maybe, hey, maybe your average consumer would like to participate in it, right? I just think normal people would like to be able to buy these products. Now, the other thing we're going to talk about before I sign off is the Ruta Library Tea. It is absolutely hideous, okay? I just think objectively it's ugly. So what it is, on top it's orange and has like all these logos on it. On bottom it's like a checkered pattern. In the middle it's like a different checkered pattern. It has all these advertisements on it. Ugly. I'm sorry. If it's your thing, good for you. But I think it is not cute at all for anyone ever. Um, Maybe I just couldn't pull it off. $425 for a shirt that is not cute. I don't understand. This is my long-winded rant about why... How I think that Formula One merch should be accessible to the average person. And how doing these kind of collaborations that are, you know, $2,000 for a jacket without having an option for people who can't afford that. This is kind of off-putting. I understand it's the league, it's money, it's luxury, it's influence. Normal people like this. Normal people like it. And even people who can't, like, are below the poverty line, like Formula One. There should be... You know, merchandise, a way to rep your favorite team for an average consumer. A bucket hat is $40, 40 euro, which is more than $40. You know, I just, whatever. I'm sure they do not care about my opinion. I'm sure they're going to keep selling products for what they sell it as. But I wish there was just like a base line for everyone where you could get a hoodie for 40 bucks. Or like a shirt from a team for 30 bucks. And just let your average consumers and people who like Formula 1 to watch Formula 1. And for those of you listening on Apple Music, which hopefully it'll actually be on, please go look at the Rude R-H-U-D-E-X McLaren collection because, listen, I don't know where they're getting these prices from. And it's insane. I've never heard of Rude, so as the unfashionable person I am, I still think it's crazy. But, yes. Okay, thank you for listening to Late Breaks and Hot Takes. Um, feel free to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at f one noran and on TikTok. That's my biggest platform, obviously. I'm a TikTok of micro-influencer. Um, I'm going to try to start tweeting, live tweeting races, but it's hard. And I started a brand new job. Yes, according to my technical director, it's hard to live tweet a race when there is no race. Thank you, technical director. Would you like to be named? Technical director who shall remain unnamed. We can call him Scarboy for the time. Scarboy56. Apologies. His middle school football number. Um, but yeah. I'm going to try to start live tweeting. It's hard though because I'm an American and the last thing I want to do at 6am is live tweet anything. So bear with me. Thank you to, for listening. If you're not my family also thank you for listening if you are my family and i will be back next week with a real life interview about xander fort and what it was like to be there side note if anyone knows where i can buy an orange smoke bomb in the united states let me know peace out a town